Good morning. Welcome to a July 21st edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. That was weird. I uh, don't know what uh, cramped in my brain, but it is the middle of summer, not the middle of winter, and you are in the right place to hear the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along. Appreciate your time this morning. we got some interesting sports stories to talk about with the Olympics on the cusp of starting with the Milwaukee Bucks winning the NBA title for the first time in 50 years and Giannis Antetokounmpo saying things that I think are phenomenal coming from the mouth of a superstar. And I've got a little Giannis Antetokounmpo story for you that, um, you know, I think you'll find interesting because uh, it happened to me, uh, what, eight, nine years ago, maybe? And, uh, and that was the first time I heard his name. And it wasn't the last, obviously. So we begin with a shout-out to our friends at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. They do a phenomenal job. They will bring you awesome coffee, and they will use some of the money that you pay for the coffee to further ministry efforts around the world in underprivileged areas where coffee plantations are located in Nicaragua, Thailand, Indonesia, other countries. So buy from Hemisphere. Feel good about a, the coffee, because it's phenomenal, or the cocal chocolate, which is non-GMO, um, all kinds of different things, sugar-free, keto-friendly, all that. So uh, jump on it and get 15% off by using the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. WETACKLELIFE in all caps at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. <coughs> Excuse the cough. <clears throat> And the throat clear. Now we get into the sports portion of the podcast with the Milwaukee Bucks winning the NBA title. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 50 points, 50 in the uh, clinching game six at home. He willed the Bucks to victory three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, exactly. He hyperextended his knee and people thought, ah, oh, he's done. And he's done. The Bucks are done. No, he wasn't done, nor were the Bucks done. And they win the NBA title, which I think is phenomenal because Giannis Antetokounmpo is... The anti, well, it's easy for me to jump on him, but he's the anti-LeBron James and the anti-Kevin Durant and the anti-Kyrie Irving. He's the anti-NBA superstar. What do I mean? He's not a joiner. He's a builder. I loved Giannis Antetokounmpo, and if this is the only title he ever wins, uh, it'll be uh, too bad because I love to see guys who uh, have a personal responsibility to their city and to their fans and to their teammates. I love to see those kinds of guys prosper. Giannis Antetokounmpo could have gone anywhere he wanted to go as a free agent, but instead he signed a max contract prior to this season to stay with the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, why would he do that? Because obviously any other team out there would have moved heaven and earth to fit him under their salary cap. The Warriors, the Heat, the Lakers, the Nets, you name it. They would have done everything they could have done to add Giannis Antetokounmpo. But he had no interest in that. Here is his quote after the game last night. Why did you sign? Because he says there was a job that had to be finished and that staying in Milwaukee meant doing it, quote, the hard way. Man, there's so much wisdom and benefit in that. I listened to a podcast one time with... Um, a sports agent. Her name's Molly. I can't remember Molly's last name right now. Her podcast is phenomenal. And she was interviewing a woman who said they have a rule in their family called the hard thing rule. They require their children every year to do one thing for a year. They can't quit. That is hard for them. They don't perfect a skill at something. 
they begin a discipline in something they're not good at, but they have an interest in, and they're not allowed to quit for a year. They have to do it. It's hard, but it instills discipline, effort, delayed gratification, the principle of sowing and reaping, which I say all the time, you reap what you sow, later than you sow, more than you sow. If you sow good things, you'll reap good things later on down the road. If you sow bad things, bad behavior, bad habits, that'll come back in spades later on, multiplied. So I love the hard thing rule, and I love Giannis Antetokounmpo affirming that in his post-game comments. Here's more. He said, I just couldn't leave. There was a job that had to be finished. Mm, awesome. Coming back, I was like, this is my city. They trust me. They believe in me. They believe in us. Obviously, I wanted to get the job done, but that's my stubborn side. It's easy to go somewhere and go win a championship with somebody else. It's easy. I could go to a super team and just do my part and win a championship, but this is the hard way to do it. And as he said that, he kept pounding the dais in front of him, and he said again, this is the way to do it, and we did it. We bleeping did it. Okay, I could do without the expletive, but I love that. That is, to me, the most endearing post-final speech since J.R. Smith in 2016, breaking down, crying, talking about how much it meant to him, whose reputation was as a career knucklehead, to win an NBA title. And how much is that an in-your-face to LeBron James and Kevin Durant? How about if LeBron James, after uh, his contract ended with the Cavs, following their loss to the Warriors in, what, the 2017 or 2018 finals, whenever he left Cleveland and he went to L.A., what if LeBron had said, this is my city, they trust me, they believe in me, they believe in us, it's easy to go somewhere else and win a championship with somebody else. It's easy. I could go to a super team and just do my part and win a championship. But this is the hard way to do it. How would LeBron be loved? Not just in Cleveland, but in the NBA. He'd be respected. He would have been repudiating what he did when he left Cleveland the first time to go to the Miami Heat. He could have said, I'm not going to repeat that mistake again. Kevin Durant, the ultimate leech, leached on to a title, a couple of them with the Warriors, tried to leech on to a title with the Brooklyn Nets. Don't talk to me about Kevin Durant trying to build something. You're not trying to build anything when you join Kyrie Irving and a Nets franchise that later added James Harden. They want to do it the easy way. And I love that Giannis Antetokounmpo wanted to do it the hard way. Okay, so when's the first time I heard about Giannis Antetokounmpo? I don't know the exact year, but I went to Cleveland to work for ESPN Cleveland in 2011, October of 2011. The owner of that station is a gentleman by the name of, and you Cleveland people will well know this name, Craig Carmison. Craig uh, also began, well, Craig had a, a couple radio stations in Milwaukee. No, excuse me, in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, Craig has since come to acquire the main sports station in Milwaukee, which has the Bucks contract <clears throat> and the Brewers and the Packers for that matter. Well, Craig and I, we didn't talk very often. He wasn't on site in Cleveland, but he'd come through town periodically. And at one point in time, Craig bought a uh, minority interest in the Milwaukee Bucks. And I don't know if this conversation happened after Craig had become part owner of the Bucks or if it happened before he became part owner of the Bucks. 
But he told me about this kid from Greece, this 18-year-old kid who was seven feet. And, oh, Bruce, he's a point guard, and he handles the ball like Magic Johnson. And, you know, you'll remember this name. You'll hear this name, and you'll remember this name. And he was like, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I thought, eh, seven-foot point guard. Okay, well, maybe. Well, then later on I saw him, and I was like, hey, he's a nice player, but he doesn't have a he doesn't have a mid-range jumper. He's not a three-point shooter. Uh, but Craig was right. Craig was right. And I would imagine Craig is really, really, really exulting on many levels today as a Bucks fan, as a Bucks owner, as the owner of the radio station that, um, you know, they um, won the title and they're the flagship station. So I'm happy for Craig and I'm happy for the people of Milwaukee, the ones that aren't rioting and shooting each other. <laughs> and, and I'm happy for uh, the old school way of doing it. Because I hope Giannis Antetokounmpo comes to define the modern NBA superstar more than the leechy, lazy ways of Kevin Durant and of LeBron James. Uh, sponsor read number two goes to my friends Willis Spangler Starling. Uh, Willis Spangler Starling, great people, great firm. They are um, now partners with another endeavor that I'm involved in called PressProsMagazine.com. And those of you who uh, are Central Ohio uh, listeners, Make sure you are checking PressProsMagazine.com every day. We cover high schools, yes, but we also cover Ohio State. We'll have Mark Snyder at the Big Ten meetings on Friday writing about Thayer Munford, Zach Harrison, Jeremy Ruckert. Yes, Jeremy Ruckert's going instead of Chris Olave, and Ryan Day. And today, the lead story on PressProsMagazine.com is about Jeff Hardings, former Steeler, former Lion, Super Bowl champion with the Steelers, former Penn State, two-time All-American, former St. Henry Redskin, teammate of Bobby Hoying in high school, won state in football, won state in basketball. So Jeff Hardings is the topic today because PressProsMagazine.com is now expanding into central Ohio, and we're covering the OCC. We're covering the, uh, the uh, Columbus Catholic League. We're covering some private schools like WC. And so if you want the kind of coverage that uh, no one else does, great photos, great uh, long narrative feature writing. This story on Jeff Hardings was done by uh, my friend Steve Blackledge, former dispatch reporter who now works for us at PressProsMagazine.com. But Willis Spangler-Starling sees the vision at PressProsMagazine.com because really, when you think about it, uh, high school sports is the last one of the last bastions out there people can unite on. People don't unite on faith. They certainly don't unite on politics. They don't unite on science. They don't unite on anything. But they unite on High school sports, it's a great way to build community, and Willis Spangler Starling uh, wants to be a part of that. They want to support the community. They want to support you. They're a great law firm. They're located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, just north of the Mill Run area. They're my firm, so, I mean, the highest recommendation you can give to somebody is to patronize them yourself. I totally trust their expertise, guidance, insight, and instruction, and you will be better protected uh, if you trust Willis Spangler Starling, whether it's on a matter involving probate, wills, estate planning, whether it's on personal injury, whether it's on workers' compensation, whether it's on employment law, social security disability, anything like that, all the big elements of the law, Willis Spangler Starling is the place that you need to be. Willis Spangler Starling. Okay, Nick Saban, the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, made headlines yesterday. When at SEC Media Days, he talked about his quarterback, Bryce Young, approaching seven figures in name, image, and likeness compensation. This is where I'm supposed to say, I hate to say I told you so. I don't hate to say I told you so. I like saying I told you so. 
<laughs> I'll be honest. Because I like being right. I'd rather be right than wrong. That's an interesting phrase. Why do people say, I hate to say I saw I hate to say I told you so? No, actually, it shows you know what you're talking about if you say I told you so. Now it can be egotistical, and I'd try not to say it in an egotistical way. But I told you we'd have a million dollar college athlete. I didn't know it'd happen this fast. And I didn't know it would happen with a quarterback who's thrown 23 passes and one touchdown pass in his career. But Bryce Young, who's going to step in for Mac Jones at Alabama, is approaching seven figures in endorsements. And he's not splashed all over everywhere. He's only done one, I think, one minor social media thing. He signed with CAA, the Creative Artist Agency. That's like the agency that has all the big actors and athletes and media people. CAA signed Bryce Young. And why did they sign Bryce Young? What else did Nick Saban say? Nick Saban said, and that's because of our brand, because of Alabama's brand. So again, I don't hate to say I told you so. I told you, these kids want all the money for their brand. Their brand is worthless without the Alabama brand, the Ohio State brand, the USC brand. Their brand's worthless. CAA wasn't jumping to sign Bryce Young if he was a backup at New Mexico State. No, they're paying for Alabama's brand. Likewise, every kid at Ohio State that gets a deal will get it because of the Ohio State brand. So again, um, I don't think they need to put these guys on scholarship anymore. If they want to do a pure capitalistic calculation, okay, we can play that game. Um, So that would be a way to keep costs down for the consumer of the product. And I know the players wouldn't like it. They'd say, wow, what do you mean? You're not going to give me a scholarship. No, I'm not going to give you a scholarship because if I don't give you a scholarship, then I don't have to charge a hundred bucks for football tickets. And it's good for you that I don't charge a hundred bucks for football tickets because you want the stadium to stay filled. You want people to not get ticked off at us because the cost of being an Ohio State fan is outrageous and it will be outrageous if these guys like the Supreme Court ruling you got to give them everything they want for support as an as a student at Ohio State so now they got to give them laptops they got to give them whatever pretty much whatever they want so the school's costs are going to skyrocket and the players are paying nothing for attaching themselves to the brand of Ohio State and again I say if Bruce Hooley wanted to sell Ohio State t-shirts do you think I could use their brand for nothing no I couldn't nor could you, nor could anyone. Try advertising on the Ohio State Radio Network. You pay a super ultra premium for being an official partner of Ohio State Athletics. So again, I will say, why don't the players pay for being an official partner of Ohio State? Because their partnership with Ohio State allows them to profit off their name, image, and likeness. I'm not trying to screw the kid. I'm just trying to do a fair calculation. If the door swings one way, you as The quarterback at Ohio State get paid for your name, image, and likeness. The door ought to swing the other way. The pendulum ought to swing the other way. You ought to have to pay for the part of that name, image, and likeness. And you have a a name, image, and likeness as a quarterback, as your individual brand, but also as your school brand. So Why don't you have to pay for attaching that school brand to your brand? Uh, That would be revolutionary, but I think they need to find a way to keep the cost to the consumer down They can't just continue to squeeze the consumer on tickets, concessions, parking, blah, 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 because pretty soon fans are going to get tired of that. And then what? 
they're going to get turned off. They're going to stop watching on TV. The ad revenues go down. They're going to stop going to the stadium. The prices schools can charge go down. All of a sudden, Ohio State football, Alabama football, Auburn football, USC football, et cetera, et cetera, is not as valuable and not as profitable as it used to be. And let me tell you, they're not going to operate these programs at a loss. So that's an interesting aspect of the whole name, image, and likeness thing. And I told you, we'd have a million-dollar college athlete, and it looks like we're closing in on it. Uh, as far as uh, Bryce Young's ability, I don't doubt his ability. I've seen him. Uh, he and C.J. Stroud, the presumed Ohio State starting quarterback, have the third highest Heisman odds, third best Heisman odds, uh, going into the season. Uh, that's totally related to the teams they're on and the talent around them. Uh, J.T. Daniels at Georgia is number one for some reason. He must have great talent around him, too. I'm sure he does. Uh, D.J. Ungalele is on the list. Uh, every Keaton Slovis is on the list. They're all quarterbacks. Every single one on the list is a quarterback. Okay, the quarterback at AUINFO.com is Chrissy. And she is <laughs> she's worth way more to your business than Bryce Young is worth to an Alabama booster. Chrissy's a rock star at AUINFO.com. She'll keep your business in business. She'll save your business money. She'll give you wise counsel. She'll help you with HR. She'll help you craft a great benefits plan. This is what she does. This is her business. She supervises a staff of 16 other people at auinfo.com. So what does that tell you? Okay, number one, she's a manager. She's a planner. She's organized. She's smart. Also, they're a small business. They understand you as a small business person. And they understand that there are things that you need to do, ordering, budgeting, you know, all that stuff. And then there are things that you could do, but it wouldn't be the best use of your time. You'd be better to outsource that. And that brings us to what they do as a specialty at auinfo.com, which is provide you the information you need and the cost options you need to make a prudent decision about what benefits you're going to offer your employees. They find the costs. They Well, they actually know the costs of every plan. They present you the options, and you then pick and then that firm pays AUI. You don't pay AUI ever. You don't pay them. We're in this mindset where, you know, something for nothing is bad. Usually, probably something to be wary of. But at AUINFO.com, something for nothing is not only true, it's one of the rarities in life that you need to take advantage of for the good future, solid future of your business. AUINFO.com, AUINFO.com. Okay, we have the Olympics, the Summer Olympics starting. Uh, they're already started, really. The opening ceremonies are Friday. And I thought this was very interesting. You know, um, I guess I'll be politically incorrect here. I have a presumption of how society works in Japan. It seems to me the Japanese people are very um, uh, collegial, very, very much ones to get along, go along, support authority. I don't see like protests in the streets of Japan very often. Uh, I see them being hardworking, and uh, so it shocked me when I read that there are massive, massive uh, protests in a still understated Japanese way to the Tokyo Olympics going on. Why? Why? COVID fears? Not really. COVID is not really a thing in Japan. They have had a uh, very small number of people die from COVID. 15,000 
in a nation of about 132 million. Over here, we have 330 million people. We've had over 600,000 people die. So it's not been nearly that big of a deal in Japan as it has been here. But they also only have, at this point in time, about 15 to 20% of their population vaccinated, which that shocks me because I think of them as a highly advanced country. No, the people are PO'd because they're basically being told, stay at home during the Olympics. You're not allowed to come to the events. Of course, no fans. And we don't want you out and about. The restaurants are closed. The businesses are shut down because they're trying to keep the COVID numbers down. And meanwhile, you're a Japanese citizen and you're going, I can't go on vacation. We can't observe any of our normal summer festivals because of the Olympics, where you're inviting all these people in from all over the world, bringing all their germs, and they're frolicking in the Olympic Village, and they're competing, and they're running, and blah, 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 and we can't do anything? It's to the point in Japan that if you volunteered to be a volunteer at the Olympics, you have an official like volunteer uniform. And if you wear it out in public and they're telling people, wear it on the subways, wear it, you know, to to the venue so we can identify who you are so we know not to scold you for being out. Oh, you got the uniform on. You're okay. The people who see you out are harassing you because, ah, you joined the other side, huh? So this is really, really interesting. And they're thinking that the people in Japan aren't going to watch the events. They're not going to support the events. Uh, There's all kinds of COVID protocols, no hugging, no celebrating, no handshaking, all this kind of stuff. Uh, And their people in Japan are really, really mad about this. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. That's lousy. Can you imagine that we wouldn't stand for that here in the U.S.? Of course, we don't stand for anything that we perceive to be an intrusion upon. I deserve this. So that's what's going on at your Summer Olympics. And I bring that to your attention because, ah, call me crazy, I don't think NBC is going to highlight that. Everything's going to be sunshine and balloons from the NBA, NBC perspective. Oh, isn't this great? Isn't this phenomenal? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Uh, by the way, I said the Olympics have started. The U.S. women's national team lost 3 nothing to Sweden. Oh, the mighty Megan Rapinoe's lost 3-0 to Sweden. Not going to lie to you. Would love to see the U.S. women's national team get thoroughly embarrassed at the Olympics. I find them extremely unlikable. Because why? They have zero gratitude. All they ever do is complain. They complain about their pay. They complain about their treatment. They complain about our country. They are highly prejudiced and and uh, vindictive. Google Jaylene Hinkle. Uh, you're allowed to think one thing to be on the United States women's national team. I'm not going to hide from you guys that I am an evangelical conservative, and I think the way that they treated uh, a black player uh, who's a Christian who did not want to wear the gay pride jersey on their team I don't find that to be accepting. I don't find that to be diverse. I don't find that to be uh, ex- uh, inclusive. And I don't find it to be equitable. And so, no, I'm not rooting for the U.S. women's national team, and I'm not rooting for the U.S. men's basketball team because I like to feel good about the teams I root for. And I've said before in many radio shows that I root against more people than I root for, which is a sad commentary because it's so hard to find people that I can embrace on a personal level and on a professional level due to my faith and due to my values. And I don't see 
uh, embraceable values in the uh, USA men's basketball team. And I don't see embraceable values in the U.S. women's national soccer team. Ergo, not going to root for them. So they lost 3-0 to Sweden. Doesn't mean they won't win the gold. They probably will. They'll probably focus them, and they'll probably play great from this point on. Okay, final thing on the sports realm. Before we get to the faith portion of the podcast, I was doing my research this morning on the sports side, and I think you guys will be interested to know there is a YouTube series out there about the first year of the Urban Meyer regime with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, It's produced by the Jaguars, so it's going to be super team-friendly. I watched episode four. It's very well done. Um... It's it's a little footballish <laughs> for me. It's you know we're gonna run faster, we're gonna hit harder, we're gonna work better, we're gonna do. And there are thirty two teams, thirty one besides the Jaguars that believe that, stress that, strive for that, prioritize that. But you know we're all interested in Urban. We're all interested to see if he can build a winning culture out of a losing culture. His strength coach is Anthony Schlegel. Love Schlegs, great guy, man of faith, super motivated, super passionate. Uh, Schlegs really cares about people. He's a servant, and I love Schlegs. And he's quoted liberally in episode four. So go to YouTube and search Jacksonville Jaguars or whatever. And I would say this, Urban has a much better slogan for the Jacksonville Jaguars than he had for his defending national champion 2015 Buckeyes. (laughs) His slogan with the Jags is own it. Own it. In other words, don't make excuses, which I love that. His slogan with the 2015 Buckeyes that returned Zeke Elliott, Joey Bosa, Evan Spencer, on and on and on and on. All the great players from the 2014 National Championship team. JT Barrett, Cardale Jones, on and down. Their slogan for 2015 was the grind. And as I've joked many times, who signs up for the grind? The grind. Oh, yeah, count me in. So own it is better. And uh, I think you'd enjoy that feature um, uh, it's not very long. I think I watched it like 10 minutes. I think each episode's like 10 minutes on YouTube. So I watched episode four. There's at least five episodes. I know. Cause they always show you the next episode when your previous current episode rather ends. So check it out. Check it out. Um, I forget what it's just, just go to YouTube and search Jacksonville Jaguars and you'll find it. Okay. Um, I begin my morning with the same routine virtually every morning, unless I have a pressing early morning engagement. I come down, I let the dogs out. Who let the dogs out? Yes, who? H-O-O. Who Lee let the dogs out? So I let the dogs out, and then I come downstairs to my red chair, and I um, quiet myself down. I um, try to get into a submissive, humble mindset, and I ask God to... Show me what do you have for me today as my um, rudder for me during the day or on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, What do you have for me as my rudder, but what might you have for me today to share with people? Sometimes something comes to me right away, a phrase, a word, uh, a thought, a conviction. Uh, Sometimes it comes to me only after I read through a chapter of Proverbs or after I um, venture through um, whatever portion of the New Testament or the Old Testament uh, leaps off the page at me. So today, uh, as I sat down and thought about um, 
what I wanted to tell you guys in the faith portion of the podcast to send you into the weekend. I was just struck by the privilege that it is not just to sit down and talk to the God of the universe, but the privilege that it is to sit down and fellowship with the God of the universe where I no longer worry about where do I stand with him. Now, please hear me. I am not contending that I'm a perfect person, great person, Oh, God is so lucky I'm part of his family. No, 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 no. But what struck me was I used to think so much about, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Have I done enough? I was striving to be good enough. And that is the number one way Satan beats people up and steals their joy and makes them less effective for the kingdom of God, is to remind you constantly in many ways, you're not good enough. You, How can you think you're good enough? What you thought yesterday when that beautiful woman walked across your path, what you said in your mind or maybe even out loud when that guy cut you off in traffic, like what would make you, Bruce Hooley, think you're good enough to go to heaven. You're a wretch. You're lousy. You're horrible. Your heart is dark. You got evil inside you. And Satan beat me up with that for years and years and years and years. And there is only one answer to that question, to that haranguing, that antagonization. There is only one answer to that that shuts Satan up. And that answer is, you're right, dude. I'm not good enough, but I don't have to be because Jesus was good enough and I am acceptable because of what he did that I've claimed as my own. So I reflected on that today, that amazing peace, assurance that I have that not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus did for me at the cross, I am acceptable in God's sight. And so then I reflected upon the call in the Bible to being born again. And a lot of people struggle with that concept, being born again. And what I just talked about, that that phenomenon of being forgiven, is all being born again means. It means that I had this other life where I was striving to be good enough, do enough. I had that other life. It was empty. It was tormenting. And once I realized, I don't have to be good enough. Jesus was good enough. He said on the cross, it's finished. It is finished. And I realized that's really all being born again is. Now, most people ask the question throughout their life until they come to that realization that Christ did it all and there's nothing they can do. This was the question of the rich young ruler in the Bible. What must I do? to obtain eternal life. What do I have to do? We're geared that way, right? What do we have to do to have a big house? What do we have to do to be a doctor? What do we have to do to have a lot of friends? What do we have to do to belong to a country club? And there's a bunch of things you got to do. But to become saved, to become forgiven for the mistakes that we've made in our mind and in our heart and in our attitudes and that we continue to make, The uh, question, what must I do, is not as much the wrong question as it is the wrong question 
asked at the wrong time. What do I mean by that? Okay, let me take you behind the curtain of being a reporter and an interviewer. I have had many interviews over the years where I entered the interview with one question that I had to get answered. I can think back to when I covered the Dolphins. The Dolphins were a proud franchise, many Super Bowls. Don Shula on his way to becoming the winningest all-time coach in the NFL when I covered him under Dan Marino. But their defense was awful when I got there in the late 1980s. The Killer Bees had aged. Uh, They were a step slower than they were when they got to the Super Bowl. They aged almost overnight. And their defensive coordinator was a guy named Chuck Studley. Chuck Studley was a college teammate of Don Shula's at John Carroll University in Cleveland. And everybody in Miami wanted Chuck Studley's head on a platter. Oh, you know how it is. The defense stinks. It's the coordinator's fault. Never mind that Chuck Studley had been the defensive coordinator when they won Super Bowls. And he hadn't gotten stupid overnight. But as a young reporter at the Miami News, I had to get a sit-down interview with Don Shula. And I had to ask Don Shula, so you're going to fire Chuck Studley? Now, do you think I walked into Don Shula's office after practice at our appointed hour and sat down on a couch and Shula behind the desk with his feet propped up? Do you think I said, man, your defense really stinks. Are you going to fire Chuck Studley? No. No, no, no. He would have said, hey, get out of here. What a stupid question. Get out of here. I'm not going to answer that. Or none of your business. I'm not telling you, taking you inside the mind of, you know, a multiple Super Bowl winning coach. Get out of here, kid. No, I did not start with that. Nor do I ever start an interview with Chris Holtman with the toughest question I have to ask. Or a player with the toughest question I have to ask. You've got to ask the right question at the right time. And then you'll have a much better chance of getting it answered. So, in the same way, the question what do I have to do? What do I have to do? What do I have to do to, etern- to, to earn eternal life? Okay, well, you're asking the wrong question because there's nothing you can do to earn eternal life. But that question is a good question to ask after you accept what Jesus did for you, which grants you access to eternal life, to forgiveness, to restoration of your relationship with him, to fellowship with him, to being born again. Then is the right time to ask the question, wow, you've given me this gift? What do I do to indicate my gratitude, my understanding, my appreciation for this? Then that's a perfectly An appropriate question to ask. Okay, now, what do I do in terms of, now, what's my mission? What can I do to serve you? That's what you're asking. What can I do to thank you? What can I do to draw others into this incredible equation where I'm forgiven for all the rotten stuff I did? That's the time to ask, now, what do I do? If you do things, acts, deeds, as your application for salvation, your application will be rejected. It will be. There's, not, there's nothing you can do 
Why? Why is there nothing you can do? Because God is a holy God. His holiness is uncorrupted and must remain uncorrupted. So if you bring your dirty, lousy, rotten language, your dirty, rotten, lousy, lousy, selfish attitudes, your dirty, rotten, lousy behavior, even if it's just one mistake in your entire life, and you drop that into the uh, enormity of God's holiness, you have corrupted his holiness. You're unacceptable. But once you're washed in Jesus' blood, once you're cleansed by his sacrifice at the cross, God looks at you and he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus' perfection in which you then are holy in his sight. So if you apply for salvation based on your deeds, your application will be rejected. But if you know you don't deserve salvation, if you know you can never earn it, then you are in the right frame of mind to humbly accept it and then to ask the question, okay, wow, this is amazing. What a deal I just got. Now what do I do? What do I do to share this with others? What do I do to thank you? What do I do to show you that I understand the amazing deal you just gave me? So, That is when it's the right time to ask that question. That is a perfectly good question to ask, but it must be asked at the right time. Because if it is not, then you are not in the right frame of mind to receive the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of restoration, the gift of fellowship that I enjoy every single morning and that I hurt when I contemplate the number of people that I know do not understand the nuance between doing to earn and doing to thank, doing to authenticate, doing to testify to the goodness of God. Well, that is what I have for you as you go through your weekend. I hope it strengthens you. I so deeply appreciate your uh, time given to this podcast. I would appreciate it if you'd tell a friend about the podcast. I would certainly appreciate it if you'd review the podcast at iTunes. And if you'd send me an email, let me know what you think about our content. We tackle life at gmail.com. We tackle life at gmail.com. With that, have a great, great weekend.